0: This is the Rebel Author Podcast, where we talk about books, business, and occasionally bad words. Hello, Rebels, and welcome to episode 119 of the Rebel Author Podcast. It is January. It is 2022. Thank the many and varied gods. I think we are all rather pleased to see the back of 2020 and 2021. And I'm sure we are all creeping very quietly, very modestly, very humbly into 2022, hoping and praying to whoever we do that to that this year is better. Today, I'm talking to Ricardo Fayette all about how to market a book in 2022. I loved this episode. I think Ricardo is an absolute master of advertising, so I hope you find some very useful things uh, in the episode. There was no question last week because we had no introduction. Uh, However... This week's question is, what is your word for 2022? Now, what do I mean by a word? Well, every year I kind of give myself a phrase or a word that symbolises what I want from the year. Um, I think last year was a content production finishing shit. Finishing shit. It was finishing shit. My my biggest word was finishing shit. And although I didn't really do that the first half of the year, I certainly did by the end of the year. I definitely spent most of the last six months of the year going, oh yeah, I opened too many tabs and now I need to shut them all down and I'm still that's kind of spilling over into 2022. I've got the anthology to finish and uh, Trey and Sirens to publish but they are all very close to publication now so I'm feeling uh, considerably better and very excited for what 2022 will um bring me. But that was last year. This year, my word is growth. I mean, I kind of have three, which is production, growth and publishing. But the real, I I guess the heart of that is the word growth. And, And why have I chosen growth? Well, I've chosen growth because I would like to grow in craft. I would like to grow uh, my backlist. I would like to grow my income. Um, I would like to grow my knowledge. I would like to grow as a human. I would like to, yeah, there are just like so many different ways in which I want to grow. Um, And so that is why next year my word is growth. And I would love to know what your word for 2022 is. Or maybe if you don't have a word, you can tell me that too. Okay, so the book recommendation of the week. This week is A Spindle Splintered by Alex E. Harrow. Now, I believe I recommended The Ten Thousand Doors of January earlier in the year, which was also by Alex E. Harrow, and possibly her short story, uh, which was in an Apex magazine, which won some award or other, uh, which was fantastic. I absolutely adore Alex's writing. There is just something so rich and captivating and it's not purple and it doesn't waffle. Um, And yeah, so I just really enjoy reading her work. Now, A Spindle Splintered is very short. I think it's only about 130 pages and it's a retelling of Sleeping Beauty uh, set in the modern modern day. Uh, It's kind of based on the multiverse. And uh, there there is a lot of LGBT rep in there as well. It was like this fantastic feminist short story that I just devoured. And I really recommend Yeah, really, really recommend it. I thought it was fantastic. Uh, Lots of fantasy elements, of course. Alright, so personal update. While well, I had Christmas, <laughs> it is actually the 31st of January. So I'm doing this on New Year's Eve because I'm cool like that. No, uh, the reason I'm doing it on New Year's Eve is because <laughs> Sasha thought she had done enough episodes to get me through to the uh, first week of January. And in my <laughs> exhaustion adult brain pre-Christmas I miscalculated because we all know numbers aren't my thing and uh yeah so I needed enough to get me to this week um so here I am (laughs) on New Year's Eve uh it's like 20 past 8 at night and uh yeah and so I'm doing this uh podcast what a way to end the year I hope you all had a lovely festive period or if you don't celebrate Christmas then you just had a lovely. December. Um, I love New Year's. I I don't love it for like the parties or, or the fireworks or anything like that. Although you know those things are great too. Um, I love it because I love the energy, the starting energy, the fresh, the newness, the potential that a new year has. And so I always get very excited uh, every every New Year. And I know lots of people. Most people don't really enjoy a New Year, but for me, it's one of the best. It's one of the best times. I love January. Um, So yeah I'm very excited to to see in the new year. I haven't done any work (laughs) since I stopped and I stopped I think my last day was the 22nd? No the 21st of December? I'm not sure. Yeah so I think I've had about 10 days off now. A big chunk of that was traveling here there and everywhere visiting friends and family. Um, I, yeah, like we, we saw loads of family and it was wonderful. I have really, really enjoyed being off. I didn't realise how much I needed it. Um, that said, <laughs> my wife now has COVID. <laughs> Not so good. And, uh, uh so we got, her, we formally got her result today. Um, her PCR and uh so she has been isolating in our bedroom because it has an ensuite so we're very uh, lucky and privileged to to have that so uh, she is able to just stay in that room and thus far, myself and the kiddo have avoided uh, getting COVID. Our PCRs came back negative, so we are okay at the moment. We're just hoping. Obviously, you know, uh, these things can take some time to develop, but we're we're hoping. We've had a couple of days now where uh, Chloe's had it and we haven't. So I'm keeping everything crossed that... Um, we don't get it. (laughs) Um, Anyway, so uh, I'm trying to think what else my first week back next week is going to be a little bit bumpy and rocky now because I'm sort of doing that solo parenting thing. And so it will be all back to school and uh, here, there and everywhere, I will be catching up. I am going to do things differently in January. So I have blocked out a couple of weeks to work on um, my next craft book. And I won't do anything else in those two weeks. Uh, and then I will do admin and podcasting and all the rest of it in and around that in, in the weeks before and after. So, yeah, the first week of January is just going to be a bit of a catch up planning type uh, week for me. And I am really excited for January. I, I kind of am gunning for starting the work, like starting drafting it feels like I haven't written words for ages now, but I need that. And and this is one of the things that I'm going to be doing differently in 2022. I am going to be doing what I like to call the Phoenix Burn. So I don't know if you will remember, but in November, I gave myself a monstrous task, edited all of the words, wrote all of the words. And um, I did that in a very short space of time. And I found that to be far more productive than trying to be consistent and doing words every day. So yeah, I'm going to be setting myself Tight deadlines where I have to do nothing but that one uh, project and um, seeing if that helps me produce more. So, yes, I am going to be doing that in January and then we'll see where I get to because by the time I've done those two weeks, I will also have feedback uh, back on tray. And so, I should, uh, I want to be handing that off to the editor alongside the anthology in January. So, it's going to be a bit of a busy month for me. Um, but yes, okay. So I think I think that's probably it. I'm not gonna. I was gonna do a whole episode on like goals and things, but like, <laughs> you know, I me, mean? I have like thirty eight or something ridiculous. Not all of them big. Some of them are really small. Um, but yeah, I think I will possibly not. I with all of the stuff going on at home, I'm just like my brain is gone. <laughs> so. Yes, okay, where are we now? Okay, so Rebel of the Week this week is Rowan James. Rowan said, So, I found out that I am trans back in 2018 and have been hiding it up until 2020. Finally, in a new apartment and with my fiancé, I decided to get to get started with hormones. As I was within a few weeks of getting started, I realised I haven't even come out yet. I'm a rather private person and don't even post pictures of myself or my kids. So my th- first thought was, I'm going to write a book to come out. If I'm going to come out, I might as well uh, might as well go all the way. So I wrote a poetry book about my experience coming to terms with being transgender. Although it wasn't well received by my family, I've had people reach out and tell me how helpful it's been in their own lives for coming to terms with themselves and their own LGBTQ kids. Oh, I love that. I love that this is um, a a story where like you've gone through your own developments and changes and then you've been able to give back. And that has like helped other people as well. There is no better um, rebellion than a rebellion that has positive consequences for other people. And what a lovely way to start 2022 as well. Okay, so a couple of new patrons over the um, Xmas period. Welcome to Jessica Smith and Jessica A. McMinn. Lots of Jessicas. Welcome to all of the Jessicas. You are more than welcome into the community. I love having you here. Uh, A huge thank you for the support. It really, really means everything to me. Um, And it encourages me to keep going as well. Um, a big thank you to all my existing patrons love you guys you're amazing um and if anybody else would like to join me and get early access to all of the episodes as well as bonus content and joining me for sessions like poison and prose then you can from as little as two dollars a month by visiting patreon.com forward slash sasha black this week's episode is sponsored by pro writing aid so rather than hear me talk about why pro writing aid are awesome and trust me they really are i'm going to hand you over to to one of my amazing patrons, Lynn Fiona. Lynn, take it away. Pro Writing Aid isn't just for your manuscript. Don't get me wrong, it's great for that, but it's also for your website content, your newsletter and your social media posts. You can copy and paste any text into the web editor or use one of its many software integrations so you can edit anything and everything you ever type. Because let's face it, you can't really copy-edit your own work. You miss something. And I, for one, am fed up of crafting my messaging, hitting tweet, and immediately spotting the typo. There's nothing left to do then but curse the Twitter gods for not giving us an edit button. Pro Aid is an editing tool for formal reports to Instagram posts. Not only does it help with catching those annoying typos, but it flags when I've slipped into using passive voice, and it suggests fixes and explains the problem so that I can learn for the future and write better content. Okay, that's enough from me for today. Let's get on with the interview. Hello, and welcome to the Rebel Author Podcast. Today, I am joined by Ricardo Fayette. Ricardo is one of the four founders of Readsy, a marketplace connecting authors to the world's top publishing talent from editors to cover designers, book marketers, or literary translators. He is the author of several Readsie Learning courses on marketing and a regular presenter at several prestigious writers' conferences, including mink RWA Australia, 20 Books to 50K, and the self-publishing show Live, where I saw you speak as well, actually, among others. He recently released his first book with the unimaginative title of, I hate saying that, that's so mean, How to Market a Book, Overperform in a Crowded Market.
1: Hello and welcome. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. And uh, yeah, it it is sadly true. It is a very unimaginative title.
0: But like seo points and like searchability and findability points so you know sometimes we have to have these these less imaginative titles um yeah so thank you so much like would you like to tell everyone a little bit about your journey or like how you got to where you are today yeah all that good stuff
1: for sure. So I think I started in the publishing industry when I started REITSE, which was around six, seven years ago, I think now. Oh my gosh. Um, yes. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Why do I feel so old? <laughs> I remember Reetzy
0: starting.
1: Well, I I remember drafted digital starting and that was 10 years ago. They're turning 10 this year. So yeah, that put things into perspective. But it's nice. I mean, it's great that companies like us have been able to, to be around for that long. Um so yeah, we started in 2015, 2014, 2015. And uh, I mean, the idea, the core idea of Reachy was still the same as it is now, which is a marketplace to connect um, authors and publishers with what we like to call the world's top uh, publishing talent. Uh, so very carefully vetted network of editors, cover designers, proofreaders, um, book marketers, ghostwriters, author website designers, and we added last year literary translators as well. Um, so pretty much anyone you need to hire at any point, yeah.
0: And Let's just, because obviously the audience is writers and indies mostly, um, just talk me through the vetting because obviously you are uh, ensuring that they are kind of trusted, approved. Mm -hmm. So what does that look like? What do you mean vetted?
1: Yeah, so we mean vetted like we accept less than 3% of uh, professionals who apply to be listed on ReadSee and who create a profile um and the curation process is pretty simple we get them to fill in a profile a little bit like you'd fill in a linkedin profile you know or your author profile on uh, on author central uh we ask them to list all their work experience uh and all of the books that they've worked on as a professional whether it's as an editor designer etc and uh, then we review that manually uh so there's no there's no algorithms or anything like that it's actual human beings going through the profiles uh, double checking that you know the information that they've put in there is uh, is true and um, and then assessing whether they meet our criteria uh, usually for editing that's like experience uh, having edited at least 10 or 15 books usually at a traditional publishing house um, I'd say that the vast majority of our editing profiles come from the big the big five uh, so people who used to be uh, employed at the big five or at a Famous literary agency, and then going freelance or freelancing on the sides. Uh, for cover designers, it's more of a mix. Um, but yeah, uh, it's it's a case by case vetting uh, process that also depends on the type of professional. For for book marketers, for example, I interview them myself as a last step in the in the vetting process. Because you, you, we have a lot of marketers that come from traditional publishing, but they might not be suited to working within the authors, because it's it's a different skill set. Um, so I always like to have this final chat with them.
0: That is amazing. Um, I did not realize it was as intensive. I knew you vetted, but I didn't realize it was quite that level of vetting. That is phenomenal. Okay, so we are here to talk about marketing because you are a phenomenal marketer. And um, so I would like to start by asking you, what do you think are the most important mindset points around or mindset principles around marketing, for, but like specifically for indie authors?
1: Yeah, I think the first two would be like, Uh, resilience and patience uh, and they go together a little bit like I think a lot of authors they want to they want to pull the gun a little bit too quickly you know they got that first book out and it has to sell it has to be an instant bestseller and you know uh, when they release the book and it doesn't sell they get discouraged very fast Um, or they release that first series and that first series doesn't do well and they say okay that's not for me so I'm gonna I'm gonna drop it now and I think most of the authors I know who've become successful um, they've done so after several books and several series often Uh, it's really hard to predict in the publisher in the publishing world when a book or a series is going to be successful otherwise you know everyone would be a successful publisher Uh, but yeah publishing houses have a really hard time and literary agents have a really hard time finding books that they know are going to be instant bestsellers so even if you're an amazing author it might take you you know several books and several series to get to that series that just takes off on its own. And there are still series for which that happens where you know, you do very little marketing and it still takes off. Uh, so there's really that patience uh, and that resilience element where even if things don't go well, you just keep writing books, keep putting uh, books out there. And at some point you'll have one book or one series that's gonna outperform the others just because it's gonna resonate more with its audience. And the other important mindset element is when you're actually at the marketing stage is thinking like a reader. And I talk about this quite a bit in in the book because I think a lot of authors are scared of marketing or they say marketing is not something I want to do uh, because they see marketing as a sales process, you know, as a salesman going door by door and saying, here's my book, buy my book, buy my book. And authors are mostly introverts and even those who are extroverts, I think no one wants to be a salesman uh, nowadays. And in truth, marketing is is kind of the opposite of that. It's making your book visible so that readers come across it naturally um, and want to buy it. So it's not about you going out there, it's about readers finding you. And in order for that to happen, you need to, you know, put your your reading hat on and think like, okay, as, as a reader, how do I find the kind of books that I, uh, that I write. Uh, I presumably as a reader, as an author, ri- read the same kind of books that I write. So I am I'm already, you know, uh, it's just a simple change of mindset. How do I find my books? Is it through French recommendations? Is it through Goodreads? Is it through like ads uh, that I come across on Facebook? Is it through book pop newsletters? Um, and based on where I find my books, I can try to position my books that I authored in those places so that readers like me are going to come across them naturally
0: yeah yeah i think that's a really good point um i (laughs) almost exclusively find mine on instagram i yeah yeah i i like literally almost exclusively as well and i think the only other place i find them is when i found one on instagram i go to amazon and then i will look at the also bros right yeah
1: yeah so that's the only other place perfect yeah, uh, but so that's you, uh, not. Are, are your books on Instagram?
0: Um, so I'm changing genre, uh, okay. in into next year. So yeah, I mean, I haven't done a huge amount, uh, with my fiction. I have spent most of the last, like, most of my early career dealing with my nonfiction. Uh, but right. next year, I'm moving much more into fiction. So I've just finished a, a trilogy with four novels. <laughs> nice. Congratulations. <laughs>
1: yeah A, a uh, quadrilogy.
0: Yeah. well no it's a it's a trilogy with a small novella on the end okay. um and then next year but I'm going into com- it well, not a completely different genre but more niche just slightly to the left um so yeah I I kind of feel like I'm starting again next year so it will be a bit of a yeah anyway but yes I will be on Instagram for sure nice. um and even more so now you said it um okay so uh, I have a lot of listeners who are going to publish or have just or are about to publish their first book so Mm -hmm. what are like the top three things that everybody should do to market their book or books
1: right I think the number one thing is getting the positioning of the book right on all the retailers where you're going to publish it um and by that I mean knowing Knowing your target audience, knowing the kind of reader who you want to, to, to pick up your book, um, understanding how they search for books on those, on those stores. So if you're, for example, if you're gonna be exclusive to Amazon because you know that you know uh, most other authors who do well in your genre are exclusive, uh, then you're gonna have to do a deep dive research into Amazon. What categories do they list their books in? Uh, what do their blurbs look like? Are they written first person, third person? uh is the hook is the yes hook, listeners you
0: know? i'm i'm writing things down
1: <laughs> that's great um yeah the hook i think for the blurb i always like uh analyzing what kind of hooks authors are using out there whether it's you know social validation or uh it's character driven or it's blood driven like what what sort of stuff are other successful authors in my genre using in their blurbs to draw readers in? Obviously the covers, what kind of covers are prevalent? How can I play along the same uh, genre tropes that are doing well, but at the same time, maybe trying my own twist on them so that they stand out in the in in search and, and in lists. Uh, and yeah, doing this kind of market research. And if you're not going to be exclusive, you're going to be on multiple retailers, do this on every retailer, I think. A lot of authors don't spend enough time you know, just browsing through Apple Books, browsing through the Kobo store and seeing how their genre is represented and displayed on those different stores and how readers are likely to find uh, books on those different stores. Um, so do a bit of like, you know, again, put your reader hat on and, and think, how would I try to find uh, books in my genre on those different stores?
0: yeah yeah I think that is fantastic advice and funnily enough I was talking on another podcast earlier on today about like how little I think we often understand about our genre (laughs) and how actually just understand just going into more granular detail it's unbelievable one how many ideas you can get and two like how much better you can place your like books um yeah. Okay. What do you think is essential in terms of marketing before you publish? So, what kind of marketing should an author be doing before they hit publish?
1: Yeah. So, if if you understand your genre well, because I think that's still that's still number one, and you've got great, I mean, you've got great companies like KeyLytics that do reports that can you know help you a lot with that. Uh, so, I definitely recommend you check that you check those reports out. Um, but provided you've got a good understanding of your market, uh, in terms of free launch marketing, I mean, I have to mention the mailing list, um, with the caveat that uh, you might not need a mailing list. You're just going to put one book out there. Uh, if you're going to release more books, if you're going to try to build an author brand and a career out of writing, uh, books, then you're going to want a mailing list. And the sooner you set it up, the better. Uh, one of the best ways to, you know, grow a mailing list before you release a, uh, your first book is to release a first first book. Uh, so a little novella or something like that. You put on book funnel or story origin uh, and you give away for free in exchange for uh, signups or reader magnet basically. It doesn't have to be a whole novella. It can be a um, virtual prequel scene. Um, Artwork sometimes, but I mean, when you haven't released anything out there, generally a short book is is going to be what's going to work best, especially for fiction. For nonfiction, you've got a ton of other opportunities: courses, videos, etc. Um, so I'd say the mailing list, knowing your market, um, potentially setting up an author website, but I think we're we're going we're moving into the realm of things that would be a nice to have rather than a must have. Uh, so if you have the money to spare on an author website or the skills to uh, to invest into building one, definitely do it. It's gonna give your launch a more professional edge when readers are gonna check out that book and see that, okay, you have a website, so you're taking this seriously. Um, but barring that, probably the most helpful thing you can do is network. Um, I know a lot of authors who had successful first launches because they've been going to writing conferences uh several years before uh as aspiring authors a lot of conferences are open to aspiring authors 20 books uh madrid 20 books vegas uh, are open to first time uh to aspiring authors uh even london book fair uh when they have a little section for authors so you can go to a bunch of places there are for aspiring authors and the best thing you can do there is network network with other aspiring authors in your genre network if you can with other successful authors or um, somewhat established authors in your genre and make friends, uh, makes friends with them. And naturally, when you're going to release that book, that first book, these other authors are going to help you out. Um, and there's nothing more powerful than word of mouth from a fellow author who's already established. But obviously, that can only happen if you've made friends with them, basically.
0: Yeah, yeah, I completely agree. Uh, my career has always taken like a jump after a conference. And I can't really pinpoint why other than, I, I think you know more people, therefore more opportunities arrive, arise yep. um, afterwards. Let's say an author's on a limited budget. What would be the top priority um, in terms of spend other than book cover and edit? Like in terms of marketing spend or promotion spend, What, where is their money best
1: placed? that's a good question. Um, I think generally one of the principles outlined in the book is that you don't want to spread your energy. Um, And for me, energy is the same as money, Uh, like either, either you have a ton of money or you have a lot of, you know, time to invest it, it, it goes somewhat together. You don't want to spread it across too many channels. You don't want to, you know, try to be on Instagram because you find your books on Instagram, but at the same time, you've heard really good things about Facebook ads, so you're going to run Facebook ads, but at the same time, your books are exclusive to Amazon, so you have to run Amazon ads. And, uh, you know, price promos are really important, so you're going to run a price promo during the first week, and oh, I'm forgetting the mailing list that I have to set up. You're already like, you're, either you manage to achieve all those things that you burn out after a couple of weeks, uh, or you, you half awesome basically. Uh, and you don't do, you don't have a real presence on Instagram, your ads on Facebook are bad and you know, don't, don't draw any clicks in, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So pick, pick one or two channels and that's where you invest either your time or your money, depending on the channel and what you have uh, at your disposal. Um, I personally quite like, ads so i tend to invest most of my money to promote my book into advertising uh because i don't have a lot of extra time to promote this book so you know i just set up some amazon ads and i'm done Um, but in other cases if you're really good on social media then set up that instagram profile set up that tiktok profile tiktok's really hot right now for um for actually organic visibility Um, so if you like tiktok spend your time in there
0: Mostly romance, though, like sort of the steamier romance end. I'm seeing a lot of steamy romance, and then occasionally the odd trad book is has gone viral. But I, yeah, I'm not seeing a lot for like other genres on TikTok. I don't know if you are, but I'm mostly seeing steamy romance on there.
1: I think TikTok's really, actually, really good algorithms that target the right stuff to what you're interested in. Maybe um, I know several authors. And authors in cozy mysteries that are doing relatively well on there oh, really? um and there are quite quite a few YA books uh yeah that's yeah that's that, the other have, one that, that have gone viral mm-hmm. yeah yeah but yeah i mean i I'm, i believe that you can go viral on any social medium it might be a little bit easier on, on tiktok right now because it's newer um but i also believe that you need to be really comfortable and enjoy doing it because if you don't if you see um if you see social media as a drag or as something that taps your time or you just don't enjoy it it, you're never going to have a positive presence on there or genuine presence and that's just never going to attract people uh you gotta genuinely enjoy spending time on that social medium if you're if you're going to succeed at it
0: yeah yeah completely agree okay what so obviously you run a lot of ads. So what, what are your best, what do your better ads look like? Or what did your best ad look like? And like, why was it successful? What are the key features of a really successful ad?
1: Are we talking Facebook or Amazon or?
0: One Facebook and one Amazon.
1: <laughs> so for Facebook, I think the best ads are those that really resonate with the audience. Um, and that's that sounds a little bit obvious, uh, but for example, I mean, one example in a fantasy, like there's a lot of epic fantasy, so I run ads for a few epic fantasy authors, and generally, I know what what kind of stuff is going to appeal to a wide variety of fantasy readers. You put a dragon in there, in the in the image, or if it's a cover that has like obvious epic fantasy element to it, you just put the cover. It can work, etc. But sometimes the most successful things I've had is when I've really tailored the ad to an audience. For example, uh, there was an Assassin epic fantasy and targeted Assassin's Creed fans um, with an image that was immediately gonna appeal to them uh, because it was very Assassin's Creed inspired. A tagline that was gonna appeal to them, something as simple as like, do you miss Assassin's Creed, meet my protagonist? or for fans of Assassin's Creed, whatever. Um, and that got a really, really low CPC, uh, very, very quickly below, below 10 cents per click. Um, so when you manage to really tailor that messaging and that ad to a very specific audience, it can, it can do wonders. Um, yeah, that's, that's one strategy. Another one is, you know, you go for a very wide audience and then you iterate and iterate, iterate over time until you get to something that's low. But if you want that instantly low CPC, you really need to find the right messaging for the right niche audience. What and for Amazon, Amazon? Yeah. <laughs> uh, for Amazon it's, it's more complicated because you don't control anything in, in, on the creative side on Amazon. Um, so you, can, you only have control over the targeting. And for me, Amazon is a much more analytical and iterative process than Facebook. On Facebook, if you create a great ad to a very well-defined audience and you have that synergy between the two, you can get a great CPC and you can instantly boost your sales. Same for BookBub ads, but I've never really been any good at BookBub ads. Uh, but I know authors who have, you know, 15 plus percent CPC on their uh, CTR on there. Yeah, uh, for 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 their books because they found that perfect image for that perfect audience. But these two advertising platforms, they're very image heavy. uh, Whereas Amazon is, uh, yeah, you've got, they use the cover, but there's not much customization. there's not much you can do on the creative side. Uh, And for me, it's it's much more analytical. It's about like, obviously finding the right keywords and the right products to target. Uh, But then it's a process of like tweaking tweaking bids every week or every couple of weeks until you get to that point where the ads are profitable and then slowly scale uh, your spend. So for me, there's no instant great Amazon ad or great recipe for an Amazon ad. The only recipe is like, again, patience and um, and an analytical mindset.
0: Mm. Yeah, I run lots of nonfiction uh ams ads and i i can get them to a certain level so that i know if i spend this i'll probably make this i just can't seem to get them to spend anymore like i can't seem to get them to grow other than setting up new ones so i probably need to go back and do a refresher on, on amazon ads because i am yeah,
1: not that's wildly problem, yeah.
0: analytical <laughs> um
1: and the, yeah the problem with amazon ads is you so the idea is, you tweak your bid so that you're only spending enough on click that you're on a click that you're going to make a profit. Um, but then new advertisers keep coming in the in the game. So if you if your bids stay the same for several months, it's not that you need to create new campaigns uh, per se. It's that you need to up your bids just because they're not as competitive as they used to be, and so your your spend decreases and your impressions and clicks decrease.
0: Uh, yeah, yeah yeah. I had one ad I've only ever had one ad go just gangbusters it just I don't know what happened but it exploded um and that one lasted for ages months, <laughs> and months maybe even over a year and I've never been able to replicate it <laughs> so I'm but I'm like I just don't have an analytical brain I kind of like go onto my sales dashboard check the kdp amazon ads dashboard kind of doing like "Mm, is it doing what it should be like i'm so bad i'm so bad i really ought to be better ah spreadsheets but it's like my party trick to break a spreadsheet so i'm always like afraid afraid to like try and do spreadsheets because i just fuck them up constantly uh Okay, if um, an author has a trilogy or a longer series, what would be your approach and kind of launch strategy in terms of like scaling, promotions, uh, like launch? When when do you drop? When do you, yeah, all that kind of stuff.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think rapid release still, still works very well. Um, so I would probably do a rapid release strategy, dropping one book a month or, one book maybe every two months depending on how you're going to be able to sustain that afterwards so if you, if it's going to be a longer series and you write one book a year don't do like don't drop the first three one month apart and then tell readers yeah by the way for the fourth one you're going to have to wait a year um that's not gonna that's not gonna be ideal but if it's just a three four book series i definitely do a, a rapid release uh one one month or so apart or a little bit less Uh, so that you constantly have one book in the uh, opting for the hot new releases. And start building a mailing list before I release book one, probably. Or if I have one already, start getting them excited about the new series, but not too much. Uh, While I release book one, and maybe book two, try to build up that list a little bit more and do a big promo when book three hits uh, so drop book zero at three or 0.99 book two at 0.99 or one ninety nine. so do kind of a ladder promotion um going up to book three and focus your spend over maybe one two weeks during that promotion to try to get all three books as high as possible in their respective lists um and yeah if you're gonna run ads run facebook at like carousel ads um book ads going to the series page especially if you know book, book one is three and book two is at 0.99 they can probably one click all three for um three three four dollars something like that um and yeah focus that spend during that two week period so that you get the books as high as possible for a good a good week at least and um and then reap the rewards uh, basically um I think that's that's an advice that I learned from David Gobligren and it still works really well for uh whenever whenever we try to implement it um, and one last piece of advice is maybe before you release each book uh before each book hits run some light amazon ads on the pre order uh just to build out the also books, uh, especially if you're gonna do a big promo for book three or anything like that um Make sure that the also boats are solid before you do your, your book sites like, you know, free booksy, bargain booksy, et cetera, that have pretty wide readership. Uh, and, and they can mess up your also boats if they're not already well established. Uh, so I always like to run some light Amazon ads on the pre-orders to build up the also boats, even at a loss, because it's going to be very hard to make a profit on a, on a pre-order through Amazon ads.
0: What about when you, um, are writing in a really small niche how do you succeed how do you target how do you how do you still turn a profit when you're going into a very small niche
1: I think it's easier uh, to market in a very small niche as long as you know what that niche is uh, and as long as you know it's a niche that exists um, because you'll know the other authors in your niche because there's not that many of you you can you know make a like create some kind of relationship with them a lot easier um for example create build a mailing list you know create a create a list and start promoting their works to to your list Uh, that way you're going to try to cultivate a readership in your mailing list that reads in that small niche you can obviously contact these other authors in your niche and tell them hey do you mind if i promote this book or i do a giveaway of uh, three of your paperbacks uh, so it's a great way to start building a relationship with them. Um, and it's since it's a small niche that you know, it's much easier to target uh, through Amazon advertising and book web advertising. It might be too small a niche to exist as a Facebook audience, but in most cases, you'll find something or you'll be able to do a compound of interest that you know um, manages to reach kind of that audience. And for me, the, the smaller... Not necessarily this more, but the more defined the niche, the easier it is to market. Then there's obviously the question of like, is the niche big enough for me to even make a profit in, in that niche? But, you know, if one or several authors are doing it out there, then you can.
0: Hmm. It's given me a bit more faith. Yeah, I suppose if there are already books and yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. Um, when... When is the right time to hire out marketing? Obviously, you provide services, you run ads on behalf of people when when or why should an author decide to do that rather than trying to do it themselves?
1: yeah i mean i'm I'm scaling that activity down just to <laughs> focus on Riy stuff, but we do have a few marketers on on Reeds-y who run ads on behalf of authors um, I think it makes sense to outsource marketing, uh, just like any other activity, when um, you already know enough about that activity, you know, you've learned about marketing, um, you found kind of what works with you or what shows promise. And so you hire someone to take it to the next level. Uh, So that's, that's when I would hire someone is, you run amazon ads and they've shown kind of promise or you know that they really work well in your genre and all your author friends are doing them well which just hate them um so you hire someone to give it a try for you or take it up take it to the next level for you i think that's when it makes sense to hire someone um, if if you're you know a uh, first time author and you're going to release your first series if you listen to this podcast, you know, uh, and, and checked a, a few of the resources and the guests that have been invited, you probably don't need to hire a marketer to plan a book launch for you. Uh, but if you don't have the time to learn about marketing and all the aspects that we've discussed in, in this episode, for example, you might want to hire a marketer to put together a launch strategy for you and a spreadsheet telling you exactly, okay, uh, on this day, you're gonna drop the price of the book to 0.99. You're gonna book the following price promotion sites that you might not already know about. Uh, you're gonna run these kind of ads on Facebook to these audiences. Um, basically someone to cut the learning curve um, by a lot so that you just have to apply what, they, what comes in their plan. That's another case scenario where I think it makes sense to hire someone. Um, And final one is like to write your blurb and your metadata. Uh, If you cannot write blurb um, or you just, you know, (laughs) you get blocked when you try to write your blurb, there are people out there who copywriters out there who specialize in that. Um, It's gonna be maybe, you know, 200, between 200 and 400 bucks. See if that's an expense that you're able to make um, or willing to make. Again, it depends on the time you can invest and the money you can invest. Um, But yeah, these are some some examples of when I think it makes sense to hire someone. Definitely don't hire someone thinking they're going to do the marketing for me because no one's going to do that. Uh, They might run some part of your marketing. They might run your mailing list. They might run your ads. Uh, They might, you know, there are some virtual assistants who are going to do all all your marketing for you so that you can just sit in your chair and write yeah yeah
0: what are the most common mistakes that you see indie authors making
1: definitely lack of patience and uh and and you know switching from one activity to another Uh, like you try amazon ads for a couple weeks uh, the campaigns don't seem to work so you drop it and you try facebook ads and then for a couple weeks it doesn't seem to work so you drop it and try bookbub ads or whatever and most of these tr- things most of these strategies and tactics and channels take time to learn and not only do they take time to learn but in the case of like amazon ads for example there's kind of a lag in reporting uh, like amazon ads report sales up to 14 days after someone clicks on your ad so you might log into your dashboard you know after a week not see any sales but log in after 2 weeks and start seeing a bunch of sales and obviously that completely changes how you're going to act on these campaigns, where you're going to shut them down or like increase the bids or whatever. So you got to be patient. Um, You got to be patient, accept that there's a learning curve to anything you try and kind of make a plan, you know, say, okay, for the next X number of months, I'm going to focus on this. I'm going to focus on Facebook ads, learning it as much as I can, trying, experimenting, trying to scale, et cetera. And you can drop it after after you know two three months. You really get zero results. But I think the authors who are successful at marketing they give themselves several months to try a new tactic, whether that's advertising or like getting a presence on Pinterest or like getting a presence on TikTok. Um, you got to give yourself time for all of that and to really really test the channel out.
0: Yeah, and I think you have to be willing to lose a bit of money as well um, yeah. in that. Like you have to be in the game. To play the game and unfortunately that does mean sometimes you know you do need a budget that not only can you spend it but you can take risks with it um you know so you don't want to be using like your mortgage money (laughs) It's got to be. It's got to be other money that you can that you can do. Um, okay, so in your book, you give quite a detailed, like several sections on like creating an ad, like an overview, like uh, analyzing, improving. And I just wondered if you could give listeners like a bit of an overview on how they should approach creation, like strategy and, anal- and analysis, uh, yeah, and all of that good stuff with with advertising
1: sure i mean the creation part is generally what's easiest and most fun to do um because in the case of facebook and bookbub there's there's um there's actually a creation part like there's creativity involved uh, and authors are creatives um so you actually have an advantage over other advertisers there um you just got to learn how to create an ad there are a bunch of tutorials out there courses books etc it's You just, you know, um, have to learn what to put in those different boxes uh, and what kind of images to use uh, and what kind of audiences to select. So there's definitely a big learning curve there, but I'd say it's fairly intuitive. Where I think most authors struggle is with the analysis part, right? Um, First for the analysis, my number one recommendation is again, to be patient. Don't look at your ads every day. I don't think it's necessary. Um, nothing's gonna change majorly from one day to another. And any change that you might see from one day to another is not a reflect, like does not reflect anything real. Uh, so if you average maybe five sales a day on Amazon ads and one day you don't get any sales, don't panic and sh- stop all your campaigns because oh my God, they're not working anymore. Just give it another day. Uh, maybe there's a reporting lag, maybe just, you just didn't have any luck this day, uh, and you're going to get 10 sales tomorrow instead. Uh, so don't look at your ads every day. Um, and then in terms of like optimizing, uh, there's a lot of, it depends on the platform. Um, but for me, Facebook allows for a lot more testing. So what I generally do on Facebook is I create that dynamic ads where I can give Facebook several headlines. Several um, description description text, several images or videos, and then I check the performance after you know a week or after I spent um, fifty dollars or a bit more than that, so that I have like statistically significant data in there. And I can check the performance of each creative. And what I do is like I don't I don't only keep the good ones, but I re- I, I identify the ones that have performed the worst. And I either remove them or I replace them with other variations of the ones that performed well. So I kind of iterate you know, based on what I, what I see um, has worked. Uh, the same, same thing goes for, for BookBub. BookBub requires very methodical testing. Uh, so what I do for, for BookBub is I, use a, I create an image that I think is the best image that I can come up with. Uh, and then I target five different authors. Um, then I see which of these authors work well and I isolate that author. And then I test three different images, uh, just targeting that author. So I do one round of like testing author targets and then one round of testing uh, images with the author target that performed the best. And you do these two kind of tests and you, and you keep going uh, basically picking the best each time. So that hopefully you basically zigzag your way to a good CTR. And for Amazon, as I said, it's a much more, it's a, much more on a there's not a big creative part. Like setting up an ad is incredibly easy. There's not much you need to do uh, aside from you know, selecting your targeting. If you create an automatic ad, it can be done in under one minute. Uh, and a lot of auto ads can work, especially for nonfiction. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Amazon is a, is a question of like, Um, yeah, taking the, taking the time to analyze the results with a cool head and then tweaking bits, but it's, it's a lot more, it's a lot more analytical work using the data that's in the dashboard. Uh, and that's really hard to sum up here. (laughs)
0: yeah yeah no yeah I completely agree okay are there uh, anything any things that an author should plan for or consider in terms of like post-launching so two months out six months out are there things that they should be doing? Do they need to like cycle ads, or like uh, can they do they stop? Do they just continue? Yeah, in terms of the longer term prospects of a of a book and a series, what should authors be doing?
1: Um I think definitely continue what's working well. Uh, also knowing that some channels can work better in the long term than others. Uh, for me, Amazon advertising in particular is great in the long term. Because as you said, it's, it's difficult to get Amazon to spend your money when, when, when it goes well. Uh, so it can provide that nice little trickle of sales, you know, these five, 10 sales a day that, you know, it sums up at the end of the month. Um, whereas Facebook and BookBub, uh, they rely on um, audiences that have a given size and you kind of those audiences at some point or like run into creative fatigue. So your CPC goes up or your sales go down. Uh, so they're better for like short bursts. Um, so after, after, once you're in, after a few months, um, you might want to, you know, get Amazon ads to provide that trigger of sales. And then what I, what I like to do is run a promo every, every once in a while. Um, promos are still the best thing to revive your, uh, your backlist. Um, and the easiest, the easiest things, you know, if you're in KDP select make sure you take advantage of those promos every 90 days, run one every 90 days, if you get offered, you know, Kindle Daily or, we, or monthly deals uh, on a series that's not performing super well, take advantage of them uh, and then run ads when the, when the books are, uh, are discounted. And other than that, I'd say think about um, all the formats uh, and all the ways you can exploit your IP. Um, audio is, is a simple example, box sets as well. And and epic fantasy, for example, I've had huge, uh, I've had really good results. Advertising um, box sets at zero ninety nine. So on a longer series, you box the first three books, put the box at zero ninety nine, and just advertise the hell out of it on Facebook uh, and BookBub, and that's going to get a bunch of sales. Uh, you're not going to make a profit uh, usually on those on those box set sales. You might if the box set is on KU and you get a bunch of KU uh, borrows. And since it's a long box set, you make your money back on, on, um, on KU reads. Uh, but if it's a long series, you're gonna make your money back on the read through. Um, so that's definitely a good strategy. Um, audio box sets work really well. So if you manage to you know, invest in audio, if you have the money to invest in audio yourself, keep the rights uh then do a box set of your first three books in the series or or of your whole trilogy uh there's one epic fantasy author i know who who still like his main source of income is like um like audio on a on a trilogy box set in epic fantasy because those i mean audio is interesting because you know it's oftentimes you have credit subscriptions And readers are going to look for, you know, if I can get 30 hours of audio for one credit, then I'm going to go for it. Uh, A lot of times, if you surrender your rights, I mean, if you sell your rights to companies, uh, to audiobook producers like Podium, um, they're not necessarily going to do these box sets uh, because it's not in their best interest. But if you keep the rights, you you should definitely do that. So think box sets. Uh, Eventually, if you sell enough, think about translations. Think about all the ways, you know, you can define your IP and make the most of it. Uh, oftentimes, releasing a new form of IP is a great way not only to um, sell that new format, but also revive interest and awareness around, uh, around that series.
0: Fantastic. Um, and yeah, it's great because I just released an audiobook. I'm going through a foreign rights deal like it's yeah like it's funny because these things all seem very far off and then like it's amazing how quickly you get to that place where actually you do need to start thinking about those things so yeah learning about them in advance is like exactly what everybody should be doing okay (laughs) well this is the rebel author podcast so tell everyone about a time you unleashed your inner rebel
1: it's good you sent that one to me in advance because otherwise (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> Everyone <laughs> says that.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's stuck. Um, no, in a rebel, I think mostly, mostly a rebel when I, when I travel, I hate, you know, I hate being bundled uh, in places with a bunch of other tourists, uh, other people when I travel. So, um, so after 20 books, Vegas, I, I did a trip with my co-founder Emmanuel and we were along that trip. We went to Lake Powell. And we're thinking of doing a tour of Antelope Canyon, but then we saw the crowds and the fact that you have to book a tour and they send, they give you like photo spots and you're in that amazing canyon that's super high, super thin, but you have like hundreds of people around you. And that was definitely not gonna be a pleasurable experience. So um, so I spent a little, I looked at the map and I saw that Lake Powell has a bunch of other canyons all around it. That's basically all there is in the area. Uh, So I did a bit of research and I found another canyon that was like much harder to access. Uh, But yeah, we rented a boat, we rented two kayaks, we put the kayaks in the boat, Uh, we beached the boat, we took the kayaks into the canyon, we beached the kayaks and then we walked into this canyon called Labyrinth Canyon. We didn't see anyone during the whole day Um, and we were alone in that, canyon, which is kind of the experience I wanted. uh, Is that where you got the
0: amazing photos from?
1: part of part of the amazing photos are from there yeah, yeah. oh uh, wow
0: they were amazing they were literally amazing i was just <laughs> like how does how do these places exist they're phenomenal yeah i love that yeah. you did that that is a rebellion to go against like the 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 tourist uh, uh majority um OK, fantastic. Tell everyone where they can find out more about you, uh, your book, your courses, services, anything else that you would like to add.
1: Sure. So uh, you can find me on ReadSee. That's R-E-E-D-S-Y uh, dot com. Uh, Definitely check out the website, the blog, the free courses we have on there and all the, the free advice we have on there. Uh, for more free advice, we can search for how to market a book on any retailer. Thanks to the SEO and imaginative title, you should find it pretty quickly. Um, so, definitely download that for free uh, on any retailer. And if you want to contact me personally for anything, again, I, I don't really run ads for authors anymore, but I can make recommendations for other people. Uh, drop me a line, ricardo at uh, Email is what I check the most often. Uh, so, always happy to answer any questions there.
0: Well, thank you so, so much for your time today. It's been fantastic. And of course, thank you to all of the show's listeners and the show's patrons. If you would like to get early access to all of the episodes, then you can do so by visiting patreon.com forward slash Sasha Black. I'm Sasha Black, you are listening to Ricardo Fayette and this was the Rebel Author Podcast. Next week, I'm going to be joined by Amy Woods and we're going to be talking all about how you can do content marketing to promote your books and how you can repurpose that content for maximum effect. So join me next week for that. Don't forget to tune in and subscribe on your podcatcher. And when you have a moment, please leave a review.